Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Uncle Dad Talks. I'm Uncle Dad and with me as always is the legendary Mike Hampton. Mike, how are you? Hello, hello. I'm good. Thank you for uh, that wonderful intro. I mean, that wasn't much, but... <laughs> yeah, was, that's what it, I was... It was, it was, I was, yeah, uh, that's what I was trying to point out. You're making funnies. <laughs> You've done much better. Uh, you're right, I have. But you guys, I'm not done yet. Our intro's not over. Okay. Um, but yes, it's been a while since you and I have done an interview together. And not only an interview together, but it's also been a while since we've done one over Zoom. So if, if the audio sounds a little weird, everybody, it's because we're doing one uh, virtually uh, with COVID Delta rising and all this other stuff. Uh, we think it's the best thing to do for the time being. Uh, so, uh, oh, and my last message, Uncle Dad says, get vaccinated, please. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're on the vax train. Yes, yeah. we are. Uh, so please get vaccinated. Anyways, uh, before we kind of dive into our guests and kind of set the stage, if you will, as always, we have to pay bills and let's pay those bills with sponsors. So first up, my friend, that song you just heard is from where? It's been a while. So do you remember where that song is from? Soundstripe. Soundstripe.com. You are absolutely correct. Uh, that's right. All your creative needs for music, you can find it at soundstripe.com. All you have to do is go to soundstripe.com, uh, sign up for a monthly subscription, use promo code UncleDad10 for 10% off your first month's subscription. That gives you access to a huge library of music, sound effects, and a bunch of other great stuff to use for your creative needs. And as always, if you can notice, I have a little more pep in my step, uh, in my vocal, uh, my voice, I guess you would say. And the reason being is because I am drinking Rays right now. And of course you can get Rays from repsports.com. Now, uh, Rep Sports makes uh, probably one of the best energy drinks on the market. Rays Energy is um, no crash, uh, no sugar, no carbs, everything you need to have yourself a great start to your day, a great workout, whatever you need. And Mike, having a great workout it's always pretty nice. Yeah, we we like a great workout. <laughs> Feels good. Get the get the energy going. Get the blood pumping. That's the it. Muscles surging. <laughs> That's all you need. Stare in the mirror. Stare in the mirror. Supportive, nurturing things to yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's exactly what I do. So I'm a little bit more moist, but <laughs> moist, moist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yes, that's right. Uh, so if you go to repsports.com, R-E-P-P sports.com and use promo code Uncle Dad Talks, all lowercase, you'll get 10, 15% off your first product, your order, whatever order you want to buy. <laughs> it has been a while, my friends. It's been a while. Wow. It's like, it like a remix of all the sponsors. <laughs> I know. Right there. And I'm going to add think, Oh, go ahead. I think people will figure it out. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Whatever. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun, yeah. exactly. It's and to add that. to this advertising remix, we have a new sponsor, Mike. Ooh, tell me more. Mike, uh, yeah. how important is good sleep? My goodness. Uh, it is, it's on the top of my list. And it's hard to achieve sometimes. Like, really, it's hard to achieve. Like, or, I mean, at least it can be. Yeah. I think one of our past episodes, we talked about how getting getting to sleep sometimes is like a whole chore yeah. it's like a it's like an adventure you have to take just to make sure that you get sleep uh, absolutely uh well i have something for the audience and for you that will hopefully change your sleep habits uh we are partnering with cloudy now cloudy is a melatonin uh vape diffuser so basically a breathable diffuser that uh you inhale melatonin uh, now, for those who don't know, melatonin is basically a natural chemical in the body that allows you to kind of prepare for rest or go to sleep. Uh, so Cloudy curates um, some of the best uh, sleep uh, vape pins, I guess, which is kind of a funny thing to say, right, Mike? Like they're vape pins, but they're sleeping. Uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty great. Uh, what I really enjoy about it is that there's no crazy stuff in it. Uh, it only has melatonin, lavender extract, L-theanine, chamomile extract, grape extract, and uh, some uh, vegetable glycerin. So not it's pretty healthy, or not healthy, but good for you. <laughs> There's not a lot of crazy stuff in there. No. Right, that's what we're saying. Yes, not a lot of crazy yeah. stuff at all. No, not a single harmful ingredient. Uh, they've been featured in Forbes magazine, uh, Touch of Modern, and a bunch of other great stuff, and we are partnering with them. So if you go to 
trycloudy.com and use promo code Uncle Dad Talks, all lowercase. You will get 10% off any of your order you want. Uh, what I would recommend, Mike, to you and the rest of everybody else here is to get the all-in-one relax and rest kit. Now, it's pretty cool. You get about four different items. Plus, you get a sleep mask. Uh, normally, it's 100 bucks, but you can get it for $60 plus 10% off using your promo code. So, a pretty good deal if you ask me, Mike. What do you think? I think it's great. I like a sleep mask. Yeah. Do you like sleep mask, really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. I actually like it. You know, the sun starts to come up and I need to cover my eyes so that I don't get up because I like, you know, I'm I'm very synced with the sun. Oh yes, I see. I see. That's <laughs> why you have it? that that's why you have that natural glow. Wow. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh but yes, so please support us, support the show and support our partners. We appreciate it greatly. Me and Mike, thank you. Thank uh you. yes, Mike. So now that I got all that out of the way, uh talk to me, sir. What do we got planned today? Well, today we have an artist who's one of the top selling NFT artists, I think in the world, like he's up there. Um, his name is Gabe Weiss. He's got a really prolific, bold, kind of Picasso-like style. And um, I, I was aware of his, of his art and his work and, and kind of watched him gain success in the Bay Area. And then once this, right at the beginning of when the NFT thing was starting to happen, he just he caught on and and really took off. So yeah, I thought he'd be an interesting person to talk about because we've had lots of talks about NFTs on our show and on our past shows. And so I think it'd be really interesting to hear from someone who's done extremely well in that world. And maybe I can even secretly gain a few tips so that I can also be that way. But Mike, you are successful to me and that's all that matters. Okay, right. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Case closed. Case closed. Uh, yeah. All right. Go ahead and introduce this guest for real this time. Well, since this is for real, um, welcome to the show, Gabe. Gabe Weiss. We're happy to have you on. Super excited to be here. This lovely Sunday morning. It is Sunday. It yeah. Is Sunday. Right? I forgot about that. <laughs> right. Yes. Well, uh, it's Sunday. Um, for me, it's afternoon. I'm on the East Coast. Uh, you fine gentlemen are on the West Coast. And you're in the Bay Area, and that's kind of uh, your Bay Area. You've born and raised in the Bay Area, correct? No, I mean I've been out here 17 years, but I'm originally from Illinois, uh, Illinois. Bloomington. Normal, yeah. Went to University of Wisconsin and Madison, and also spent some time in Ohio. So a good Midwestern mutt, but uh. been just turned 40 and been here since I was 23. So it's like the part of life I really remember all California. Yeah, you're definitely, uh, your reformative years have been out there in California. Um, what was it like, uh, culture wise coming from the Midwest for you to, <laughs> to California? I'm always interested I, in that. Well, so right after college, I backpacked Europe for like nine months just went to tons and tons of different countries. So that was actually the thing that helped me so that California wasn't a giant adjustment, having just traveled so much and seeing kind of all these diverse cultures. Uh, but I, I like to say some of my favorite people in the world are Midwesterners that come out to California because they just appreciate all this stuff more. So mm. I came out and was just like, this is the best burrito I've ever had. Like <laughs> yes. there's, there's this thing called dim sum and they keep bringing you food until you can't eat anymore. Or like sushi is something that actually tastes good versus Illinois sushi is not what you want to be eating typically. So yeah, yeah I just to, just to get a, be a part of so many different cultures and jump in. I mean, Illinois and Wisconsin are both, pretty darn white so <laughs> yeah it, it's nice to for me it was just you know everything to get to come out and experience just so much more diversity of culture for sure yeah so university of wisconsin that's the that's the bad is that the badgers right badgers right yep yeah what'd you go what was your uh, major what were you going to school for there sociology really so <laughs> yeah and now you're an now artist. You're an artist. I was gonna say, <laughs> I love the path. Yeah. I I mean I've been in politics and community organizing for the last twenty years, so art has always been a side hustle. 
and like just a passion project. I just two days ago talked to the wife and I think I'm going to be quitting the job finally in this month. So first time ever, I'm going to be an actual artist artist, uh, which is exciting, scary. I don't know. All the above. Sure. Yeah. That leap is, is definitely a leap of faith in its own way. Uh, so, okay. So you sociology major, you come to California, you're eating dim sum, you're getting real sushi. It's all very exciting. <laughs> and there's other people, people other than white people wandering around. And when did you start drawing? Was it like a doodling thing here and there or what, how did that even come into fold for you? I mean, I had some trans like some pretty epic experiences on mescaline and mushrooms in my early 20s where like the art kind of just shifted for me and I kind of saw what I, what I'd like to do and like I think I've heard Ira Glass talk about it I've always had a really good taste for art I just ne- couldn't necessarily accomplish it so early on I was like making stuff and maybe one out of 50 I was like that really hits the mark but the 10,000 hour rule just really applied for me. So I just started drawing every day, all the time. Every meeting, every meeting I was ever in, I was famous for just doodling like pretty much the entire the entire time. Was it like all the edges of all your pages in, in when you were in a meeting or in, in, the, in these places where you're doodling, just the corners and the tops and the sides all around the words are covered in all these random doodles? Uh, no, it was a lot more like I can, I mean, it, I think it's true, but I convinced everyone the best way for me to listen was to draw. So I would just bring in like really good paper and like, <laughs> and then if you hand people a drawing afterwards, they don't think you're that big of a jerk. So it was like kind of a way to curry favors throughout different interactions I would have because I wasn't giving eye contact, but at least they got a cool picture out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe That's you were also, smart. yeah, yeah. It's channeling <laughs> the, the meeting into the drawing, maybe. And then, uh, yeah. you know, here's your feedback. Well, that's cool. So, and, and so you were taking these journeys on mushrooms and mescaline. And that's, it's interesting that that's what kind of opened up art to you, or like your vision of what your art was going to, going to look like. What, what, yeah. what was the setting for this? Were you like wandering in the woods or were you at a weird uh, party and, a guy in the bathroom gave you some drugs or... <laughs> oh please don't all, let that be the story all of the above all, all, all of the above because that's never happened to me but i was curious if it happened yeah to you, so. <laughs> yeah pretty much i mean kind of that's how it works i just it was university of wisconsin and i had like all my friends were big fish heads I never necessarily liked the music, but like sure. <laughs> li- literally what would happen pretty consistently was like once a week or two weeks, some guy would show up and his name would be like Fast Eddie. Or like, <laughs> Jupiter Jupiter's showing up. He's on string <laughs> cheese tour right now. And he's like, uh, it's got like whatever the like always would be some new drug and it just like, you know, at least other a lot of other people had tried it. So I knew I was getting a little bit better stuff than guy in the bathroom. But uh <laughs> yeah. Can I can I ask really fast? I what is a mescaline? I've never heard that before. Yeah. Um it's like a peyote derivative. So I'm 40 now and like 20 years ago, I think they just over poached it and I'm probably I'll take half responsibility for that. Uh, <laughs> awesome. It was him. It was him. Oh man. <laughs> but like because it it comes, yeah, it comes from peyote, but it there just isn't a lot to be had anymore. But they used to just have these little brown little tab things, and it, it really wasn't it's hard to describe, but it wasn't a head trip, but it was the most intense visuals you've ever had. So you could like carry on a conversation, but maybe like Mike would be like 3D. <laughs> As opposed to being 3D normally. Yeah. 40, I mean, 40, 40, maybe 40. 4D, absolutely. With maybe some you know, maybe some color color to my skin or something, right? Yes, yes. exactly. You know, that's I've never I've, I've sat in peyote ceremonies, but never taken mescaline. And 
for me, it was like, I was always scared to get it, to try that stuff because I was worried about the head trip. But if it was just the visuals that I feel like I could deal with more. Cause I was always afraid of what was in my head, you know, trying this stuff. And so it's too bad that you've, you know, used up most of the planet's resources for that. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I got, I got a lot to catch up and, you know, I got to pay, pay it forward somehow. So hopefully if I can get really NFT rich, I might go okay. and, like plant some peyote around the Southwest. Yeah. Oh my cool. God. That'd be, Gabe Weiss presents uh mescaline. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I John, agree. Johnny, Johnny Appleseed. Cause it takes like 30 years is the problem for it to grow again. So like, that's, that's, why that's what you do when you retire. <laughs> yeah. So like I'll retire. I'll be Johnny peyote. See? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> So the, so the visions kind of came to you, like essentially what be, has become your art style. It's very, it's definitely can see, see your art and know like, oh, that's, that's yours. You essentially got that from, from taking this stuff. And that when did you start actually putting it out? Like taking it just from doodles and giving it to the people in the meetings, but actually putting it out like, hey, here's my art and maybe it's for sale or it's just to look at. And where did you do that? I'm saying that was before social media was really honestly I was always going back to like there weren't that many I loved and so I would have some up in my office but it wasn't until about six years ago I started putting work on Instagram so before that I never sold anything so like six years ago was the first time I ever sold a painting and those were like few and far between just on Instagram yeah it just wasn't marketing or really going out of my way to sell them wasn't my real goal because I had a full-time job so it was more just like let's get build up a following on Instagram and have fun and meet cool people so I didn't give it it just it wasn't something I needed money from so mm -hmm. I also just didn't care enough to like sell it and little cocky of me but i also kind of felt like which is happening now that if i had a surplus of art when i actually made it that it would be worth quite a bit more so like not to sell i guess too much early and then regret it a few years later when it was worth more yeah well it also takes a lot of pressure off of you being an artist if you don't have to sell this right away to eat then then there's this flexibility, just kind of create whatever feels right. And then if it doesn't sell, there's no pressure. There's no worry. You're just doing what you like to do. Right. And then it just allows it to become whatever it is, whatever it's supposed to be. I mean, a hundred percent. And that's what's kept me away from being a full-time artist. If I'm being honest, like I love the no fear. Um, just recently through NFTs, I've kind of made no fear money, I guess where no fear tokens <laughs> no fear tokens exactly like, i've made enough i've made enough money in the last six months where if no other nfts sell i at least have like four years or five years to get a job it's like if i can't do that i'm like real bad at getting jobs <laughs> you so, always have mescaline don't forget that yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um, that's all you need yeah, and you've always got your your degree, and maybe you could even do some little doodles around the edges of your degree or something. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that Sell that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Hey, that, that's not a bad idea. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so before we get into NFTs, because I know I, I, that's I'm excited to talk to you about that. You're selling a few pieces here and there from Instagram, and you're kind of also involved in some art organizations in the bay area right like you're you were involved forget what the name but you were part of some kind of group where you would there were many artists in a kind of in a collective is that right or you were showing your art in a collective kind of space or i mean the oakland art lending library was mm -hmm. the the one place that i ever started like meeting more people is mm -hmm. some yeah, gentlemen you might know yeah, you might you might have heard of some people and they're doing some work there. There's this yeah. guy, uh, this guy Mike, people like <laughs> quite a bit, and then this guy Luke, and yeah, the whole gang. I mean, 
for me, that was, it was like the first time, even though it was a small thing where I felt like it maybe had some momentum, just seeing the way people responded. I definitely, it was like the creeper, like sitting in the corner, drinking my beer, just waiting for people to show up and then like, listen to them, like geek out about the work it was like, okay, maybe there is something, there is something here. So yeah, being a part of the Oakland Art Lending Library was, you know, other than the Instagram kind of love and like one other kind of really cool story. Those were like the things that I guess gave me some confidence to keep pushing it. Yeah. So you're, you're sitting, like you said, like a creeper in the corner and yeah, it's kind of cool to watch people react to your art if they're saying good stuff, which obviously they were good for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Luckily I'm so happy there weren't jerks at, at the Oakland Art Lending Library. <laughs> oh, no. Like, this sucks so bad. I'm just like, oh, I'm done making art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Your your stuff, um, I'll just say, you know, most of our listeners have heard me mention it a time or two if they've been listening to the show that I, I'm part of the Oakland Art Library. And uh, when we first started, we we gave Gabe like a whole back wall in the space and people just would always gravitate towards back towards it and often really enjoyed it. Gabe's stuff was always being borrowed by the members, um, which was really awesome to see. And then, so, so that's happening. And then I remember noticing, you know, when I would tag you in something on Instagram, when we're promoting the library and I'd look at your Instagram and you would go from like, I don't know, whatever it was, 20,000 followers. Then you were like at 40,000 or whatever. It was just kept climbing, climbing. And so what, how did, what do you think that was? Like, where did that come from for you? Where you just, you started to see, you know, this is obviously before NFTs, but you started to see your art kind of start climbing, like your, your fan base, so to speak. I mean, one, I took it pretty seriously. And I, three, three years ago, I shifted to a different job. So I was a labor political organizer at SEIU. And that just was ton of hours, ton of nights. And like, I mean, I was drawing in the meetings, but like, that wasn't like, getting to do big paintings or anything. So it's like I did a million like ink on paper drawings. Um, but about three years ago, I shifted jobs to like work from home and have a better work-life balance so I could paint quite a bit more. So I think about three years ago when it was just like, hey, I'm going to post every single day. Like that consistency was like really key for me. I also think like getting whatever the new iPhone was at the time, just like the pictures got better that I was taking from like an old crappy iPhone to like the new one, like the technology got better. I also just got better at seeing like what worked. So I like pretty much took all my pictures outside with natural light. And I feel like a lot of times artists on Instagram are like putting their stuff in like their dark room where they're doing the painting, but like, it doesn't look as, I mean, it's such a visual platform that like seeing a dark painting in a dark yeah. dim lit room doesn't do much for me personally. So no, no not I, for you. You don't, you don't like that. No, not a big fan. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think I got just better at the craft of Instagram, like better photos more engagement, some contests, like asking people questions. I started asking people like for titles, like I think the algorithm likes people hanging around. So like I started just getting hundreds of comments around everything I was doing. Cause I was asking for like, yeah, what would you call this? Like, what does this make you think about just things that got feedback from people and then um, you know, genuinely caring about folks. I think people can kind of tell maybe not always on Instagram, but I've tried to like cultivate just a super authentic, I'm comfortable in my own skin kind of persona versus like, I'm trying to be like super showy or thinking I'm some big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's tricky, right? Trying to always promote yourself without sounding pretentious or like, Hey, look at me, but you're, you know, you're doing what it takes to do as an artist to get yourself out there. It's like, Hey, <clears throat> Hey, here's my new piece. What do you think? And you know, it, it, it is tough. Like constantly having to, to draw attention to yourself and still feel like 
you're not being an asshole maybe sometimes i don't know i yeah. feel like that sometimes when i'm promoting art on them like all right here's my new thing are you here's my next new thing would you like this yeah i don't know you know does that make yeah. sense yeah. I think that's very true. I think some of it is like your intentions, A, in the art that you're making and B, almost like with the money you're going to make or like what you want to do with it. I think the more I kept, felt comfortable, like in being in politics, I think I've realized like you're not going to make change without resources. It's just the facts. And so I, you know, as a part of like Occupy Wall Street and all these like kind of like intense lefty groups trying to make change but none of them had resources and it's just like my my growing sense is like we need you need the resources to make change or you have to like it's just so hard otherwise something about feeling okay with making the money i guess helped me not feel bad about marketing it so i'm like mm -hmm. well if I make resources from this, it helps my family. I get to help my extended family. I get to like donate more money to causes and things I believe in. And like, you know, as you do better, the opportunities to help people, I think just increase. Yeah. I mean, also living in the Bay area, there's so much attention to these social issues. Right. And, you know, Berkeley is where, free speech essentially started and you're right in the mix of all that. And so I guess there's plenty of motivation for you to, to want to keep, keep making art, staying on top of these social issues. So did any of the social issues kind of influence what you were doing with your art? Like, were you ever putting messages or frustrations or feelings about these, these social issues that you were kind of involved with? Were you ever putting that kind of putting that into your artwork? Yeah. I mean, sometimes maybe like real up in people's faces, like work pieces that'd be like, like resist, 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 like just real blatant messages. But um, a lot more so lately, I just kind of had some visions that were real clear that I should be putting messages in my work. I think... Mm. They're kind of like little eggs that I do in my NFTs now. I did it. I did some before, but I would say it's definitely a huge part of what I'm doing now. Yeah, that's interesting because you can make a bunch of art and make money, and and you can use that money to to do whatever you want with it. But it is also like one of the things I would be was told years ago when I was my art was kind of starting to take off more was that what's your intention with your art? And as an artist, you have a power to kind of get people to, you have power with your art essentially, right? And what are you going to do with that? You can make money and live off of it, but you can also help influence others or open, open other people's minds. Like what, what are you doing with the power that you have with the art and the talent and the, the following that you have? So I don't know. It sounds, it's, it's awesome to hear that, that that's what you're doing. So Let's talk about NFTs. So you were doing these these paintings, and then, I mean, I heard that NFTs were a thing, but it wasn't until I talked to you where I actually knew someone who was actually doing them and actually being successful. So who, what knocked on your door and got you going that direction? There's some baseball player named Micah Johnson, and he made like $1.3 million in like February, I want to say like 15th, 16th, 17th, one of those days. And I read an article in the newspaper about it. And I was like, I'd never heard of an NFT prior. It just had been off my radar. And I was like, 1.3 million? Like, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> let me check it. Let me, like, let me get it. Let's check this out. And then you know, as fate, or I think these things just tend to happen. There was a guy named Eddie Ganglin who was here in the Bay Area for many years, um, and he'd always wanted to collaborate. And so, but he had moved to Miami during the, um, during COVID. And I saw that he posted an NFT on his Instagram. And I just like instantly DM'd him like, hey, that collab you wanted to do, let's make it an NFT 
And I had no idea how to mint or do any of the things of an NFT. I was just like, can I send you some art and then you make it an NFT and then we'll flip the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds that's very strategic thinking. Yeah. Yes. And then he was really into Clubhouse, this app. I don't know if you've heard of it for your yeah. phone, but like, so he was like, yeah, you got to get on Clubhouse. And then I got on Clubhouse and the next month it was like getting a master's degree in cryptocurrency social media engagement, like ever digital art. I mean, like the amount of download in my brain, my head was spinning. It was the closest thing to drugs that you could ever possibly imagine. Like mm -hmm. we're just like, I was barely sleeping. I was just living on clubhouse and like trying to learn, absorb every possible thing I could. Like it was, and like Clubhouse at that time, I think a lot of people right after the Beeple sold for 69 million, it's like everyone jumped in. So like there used to be like 15 NFT rooms at any given time with like hundreds of people inside some of them or even thousands. Like now it's really died down, but like March and Clubhouse was like one of the wildest things you've ever seen. It's like people were just like- Because if I remember correctly- Clubhouse was like a, an exclusive thing, correct? Right. It was an exclusive thing and it was just getting a lot of hype. And I think, you know, with everyone being stuck at their house still, it was just like, oh, I got to talk to people all around the world. Like it just, it was really popping off and like, but disproportionately for NFTs, I think everyone kind of in the NFT found out like you have to be on Clubhouse. You do NFTs pretty much so many of us cut our teeth on clubhouse and that's where you're you're talking to other people who have cryptocurrency that want to purchase art and that's kind of where you find your potential clients is that kind of what's going on in clubhouse yeah so i mean there's people that are just listening in i'm talking with other artists we're kind of talking about why these things matter like i think personally nfts is the most revolutionary technology in my lifetime by a pretty mm. large margin. But like, I think as you start talking about why it matters and then how to do them and then how to sell them and price them and all of that kind of stuff, it's just people, people were able to also see that I wasn't like a flash in the pan. It's like at the time when I jumped in, I think I had like 66,000 followers on Instagram or something. So it was wow. like, I had enough where like when you're on clubhouse, you can click on people's like socials. So like people would click on my Instagram and be like, Oh, he's got hundreds of works. He, he'll actually be around versus some, you know, some people, if they have five paintings, you're like, do I invest in this person? Cause I don't know if in 20 years, they'll still be able to make art. Mm -hmm. All right. So yeah. So clubhouse and explain to why, why it matters. Is that kind of like, this is the next kind of step in the direct in where art is going. Like this is going to replace galleries or not replace galleries, but be the next type of gallery where people are going to be able to view your digital art gallery from anywhere in the world. Like, is that, is that a thing or? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's revolutionary on a million different levels, to be honest. So I'll just give you a top couple, but like one royalties for artists, Right now, if I sell a painting for $1,000 and then a week later, someone sells it for $10,000, I get none, none of that. With NFTs, you automatically get like a royalty and mine is 10%. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I mean, I've already made so much money on royalties from people being able to sell my work but it incentivizes or like makes it so I'm not mad when people sell my work. I'm actually super happy versus the other way where I'm like, Hey, <laughs> I get yeah. none of that. Hey, that's not fair. So, I mean, that, that right there is revolutionary for artists, every artist in the world. I mean, I think some record labels and other things should probably be shaking some galleries. Like they're going to have to shape up and learn how to work with this technology better because otherwise people are just going to get out of the middleman and just make things NFTs. Certain people 
are like essentially around the world. There's a woman in Colombia. There's a guy in um, the Philippines who all they do essentially is buy my work right when it comes out and then they sell it right away, like relatively wow. quickly. And like they're living extremely well on just selling the art. I know other artists who are like first time in their life. I mean, several of my friends have all gotten to quit their job recently after doing like factory work and stuff. Cause like, Art's finally making them enough money. So, I mean, this collection that I'm helping right now are doing a bunch of derivatives of. It's called Long Necky Ladies. It's by this girl, Nyla Hayes, who's a 12-year-old Black girl from Philadelphia who, like, created this generative art project that's, like, mm. I've been doing derivatives on top of it. But it's, like, if you can create millionaires out of 12-year-old Black girls in Philadelphia, like, that's the most revolutionary shit I've ever seen. Honestly, you start spreading that you can, instead of working for the man or like having to work in corporate America, you can like use your own creativity and find markets all around the world and actually thrive. It's like why I'm so excited about the project. Cause I think, I mean, I think literally if it gets out in the super public, it's just like game changing yeah and who doesn't want to transition from working a regular job for the man that's that's got probably maybe had nothing to do with they're actually interested in and actually just get to do art and live very well not just get by because i mean that's a lot of times as artists you know before this sometimes you're you're an artist and you're making enough just to kind of get by and and pay the rent and and eat and and now that's obviously not the case people are making millions of dollars off of these and and so it, I guess when you're, when you become successful, like your first, was there a, a piece of yours art that sold for like an extremely high amount that was, you don't have to give the amount unless you want to, you can, but <laughs> um, like, was there one that really like popped for you where you're like, okay, this is actually going to work for me back when you were kind of getting into it. I mean, so a Originally, I was just using like like good high resolution shots of my paintings, and that's all it was. And I was just putting it up, and it was like doing pretty well because like you know they were some of my best paintings I ever did. Recently, though, I started taking those and then drawing on top of it with like Procreate, so creating these hybrids between physical paintings and digital artwork. I feel like that's the innovation that's really catapulted me. I mean, I was doing well throughout March and, and April um, selling selling work, but I think kind of lately it's gone bananas. And I think a lot of that is this like, it wasn't one piece per se, but it was just changing the look from just like, hey, this is a picture of a painting which is cool. And there's some of my best paintings. So that's what it has going for it. But I feel like now it's like evolving and like some of my favorite works I've ever done are NFTs now, which mm. is weird. Cause before I felt like when I first got my head around it, I felt like I was almost dumbing down my work or like, mm. it's like just about animations and just like sci-fi genericness or whatever. And then it started being like, oh, I can add new colors that I never get to. Or I can start writing stuff super small inside boxes where people, unless they really are scrolling through the NFT or until it's like projected up against like a huge skyscraper or something, aren't going to be able to read. And then someday it's going to be like, oh, wow, he did all this really cool little these little eggs that he dropped. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah. I just think it adds the coolness factor to, to art to me. And just the fact that you can sell it all around the world just like opens your market huge. Totally. Yeah. And so what do you do with the, the original paintings that you sell the NFT of? Do you then go on to sell that painting or is that painting just come with the NFT? Like, I guess there's probably different, yeah, you can Different do either things, one. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I found, I mean, my whole thing was I thought everyone would want both, but the worlds are really just still pretty far apart. 
like NFT people, they like the liquidity. They like being able to trade stuff. They're not necessarily like some of them live in small apartments or whatever, where they don't have like mm-hmm. the room for tons of painting. So they're just two different, almost collector bases of folks. So, I mean, when you sell an NFT, you're not selling your IP unless you specifically say that you are. So it's like, I can still sell the painting if I choose to. Mm -hmm. NFTs have just proven to be so much more profitable and less time consuming than like wrapping paintings and taking it places to go get shipped and all that, that I will just say, at some point I'll worry about all the physical paintings right now. I'm like yeah. kind of just like all NFT all the time. Yeah. Yes. And you don't th- you don't see this as something that's like a like a, a trend that's just gonna kind of come and go. Like this is this is the direction for sure that I, things are going. The one thing I would say to every single person listening right now is like this is not remotely going away. Like this is we're at the car phone stage of this. We were like, why do you have a car phone? You look like a clown. And then 10 years later, everyone has a cell phone. You're like, how did you live without it? Yeah. I mean, like in 10 years, almost everything will be an NFT. Like there will, if you go to any concert, any basketball game, instead of some little digital ticket, it'll be an NFT say you go to a Warriors game and it's the game Steph Curry puts up a hundred points. Like now your ticket that you went there with is like worth thousands of dollars and you can trade it around the globe. It's like you're just instantly giving value to your customer base that costs them like the Warriors very little, but will instantly endear them and like probably will jack up their ticket prices. But, (laughs) (laughs) but like, I mean, like there's just so many things like real estate is probably dead. Like, why would you want not want your like real estate? Like if you buy a house right now, you sign like 800 pages or whatever. Why would you want that to be one click that's on the blockchain that's public for everyone in the world to see that you own own the house or whatever? It's just, there's so much utility to these things. And we just sort of, art's the first kind of use case that people can wrap their head around. But like contracts around the world that are verified and have like mechanisms that people pre-agree upon is just literally changes everything. So I think... I was worried when I first started that this was a flash in the pan and like any market, it's going to go up and down. But if you look Mm -hmm. at the amount of new customers getting into NFTs right now, it's growing pretty much exponentially. And anyone that I know that's gotten into it, whether a collector or an artist, it's just like, you're instantly hooked. So I just like right now we're the early adopters, but like slowly when Amazon and TikTok and Instagram, like everything is pushing NFTs. It's just going to become ubiquitous in the culture. But I do think kind of like anything in the world, being early is useful. If you are early to Bitcoin, you're sitting now, you're sitting now as a millionaire. I think if you're early to NFTs, which you still are, if you're listening to this podcast before the year, like 2024, after that you're late (laughs) (laughs) you got you got three you got three years i think to still be in this really early stage we're like new york city 1977 like people Mm. are beatboxing but they're not really making good hip-hop yet they're like they're 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 in a they're in on something that they know is dope but like it isn't been like it's not like a Jay-Z black album or it's like everything's a banger and it's like got right. slick production. And yeah. So, yeah. so do you think that we should hop in the podcast NFT game? Yeah. I think <laughs> I, there's so much money in crypto a, eh? and all these people have made so much money in the last six years that like, I used to be a professional poker player and like, wait, did you like, really the play? Yeah, yeah. Back in when I was younger, but like, <laughs> Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. what, what you feel like when you're winning a lot 
it, like you can play so much better when you're winning because it's just like found money and you're making different plays. Like all these crypto people are sitting on found money. We're like, they bet um, on Ethereum when it was a hundred dollars and now it's 3,300. And right. so for them an ETH is an ETH for you. It's like, I can turn that into my rent or whatever, right. but they're sitting on thousands of these things that they got in early on. And so it's just a market with a lot of found money that doesn't exist in too many other markets right now. There's like name another market where there's just been a ton of people that became overnight millionaires. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. Like this, the stuff that you've got to do since your NFTs have started to, to sell really well, like you've, you've, it, it's given you chances to travel and meet all kinds of interesting people. Right. So and people can go on your Instagram or your Twitter or your Instagram maybe. And, uh, and see some of these people. And one of these people, uh, I used to admire, I'll just say that when I was younger, um, <laughs> Paris Hilton has, has got one of your, uh, wow. like a piece of paper in her hand with your drawing on it. And she's, you know, she's flashing it back and forth with her signature. That's hot, which I'm sure she's somehow an NFT. That's hot. I, I would guess. Anyways, <laughs> what was that? Like, what was that at? What you, it was, how do you just run so into a- her? So I was down at Bitcoin Miami and she's been a, she's been, she's given funding for a thing called origin protocol, which they launch a lot of NFT projects. My buddy um, has a podcast on NFTs called living with Will. His name is Will Gaines, but he did like a show with them um, for origin protocol, like him going to Bitcoin Miami. And so he kind of gave me the invite to this exclusive little small dinner that origin protocol was having with Paris Hilton. And so, yeah, just got to hang out with her for a little bit. And I will say, a, I think she's infinitely smarter than people give her credit for. Like, Mm -hmm. I think some of these things are like, you get pigeonholed into doing something and it's doing well for you enough that you're just like, I'll just keep saying that's hot. (laughs) Pay me another million. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. That's fine. I have a tagline. And then, I mean, she was just super down to earth and and friendly, like in a way that like, you don't, you know, maybe expect from like a billionaire heiress who doesn't need to be friendly. She was just like extremely warm. I mean, she had followed me and seen my artwork prior so we had a little bit of a bond i guess like it wasn't like coming out of left field because she follows the nft space she's made over a million dollars in nfts so like once again she's smart she's smart like she saw the trend so i have to ask then do you think we'll see you on her show one day the cooking with paris I mean, I will say I wouldn't. I wouldn't turn it down. By that would stress. be amazing. <laughs> Game I mean, she's just, with Paris. <laughs> she's just she's super friendly. So like, yeah, and she's an NFT influencer. So I would gladly accept. And I mean, yeah, just to be honest, people ask. I was just like, maybe more than what meets the eye, and just a lot more down to earth and friendly than I was expecting. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure some of what she's doing, I mean, she, you know, it works and I know she, and I figure she knows what she's doing. You know, you can play a character of someone, whether you're on reality TV or whatever, it, if something's working, why not run with it? I mean, listen, if it's, if it's making you a bunch of money, um, who other, what other cool people have you got to meet like through your NFT success in that world? So like one of the top artists in this game is a guy named Ali Sabet. He's made, millions of dollars in nfts mm. uh, and he's like turned into like one of my best friends um so we talk pretty regularly pretty much like for sure every day at least through a text wow. um so he's one where it's like it's nice to have someone who can kind of take you through the ropes and he's been in marketing for his whole career and done all this agency work and like just got some of this stuff at a level that I for sure didn't. Um, we kind of had a funny story. He only, I got into NFTs. He got in like two weeks before, three weeks prior to me. But like we were in a clubhouse room and his avatar was this painting. 
And I was like, oh, that's cool. And at the time I was just trying to collaborate with people, but I didn't know anything about NFTs. So I reached out like, hey, we should, we should do a collaboration. And he's like, yeah, let's talk on Wednesday. And like, I found that that was like a Saturday and I'm on clubhouse for four more days. And I found out that he had just sold like a million dollars worth of NFTs in like the last two weeks. Wow. And like, but at the time he had 30,000 followers and I had 66 or something on Instagram. So like, I thought I was doing him a favor if I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> so like I came into it with very pure intentions, which I think like, that was the first thing I said to him when I talked to him on that Wednesday, like, Hey man, like I'm not clout chasing here. Like I thought I was doing you a favor, but obviously <laughs> if, we, if we, if we collaborate, you'll be doing me a giant favor. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Have you, have you noticed anyone trying to emulate like copy your style and, and do their own version of it? I mean, luckily I have so much work. So people could tell right away if it's a Gabe Weiss, but yeah, yeah. all the time. I mean, yeah, that part of it, happens. but like, I think I'm enough of a brand at this point, particularly in NFTs, that if when people copy it, people kind of instantly are like DMing me, like this person's taking your style. Like no one's, I don't know. I, I, mean, just, I guess I don't see it working too well for people. They can try. It's not like it, it's the most complex work to do, but it is a signature style. And like, I don't think you yeah. get too much by copying people. I've seen, I mean, even before the NFT stuff, I remember Instagram would, I, I'd see people that were deliberately looking at your stuff and then kind of doing their own version of it. I remember, you know, tagging Luke in it, like, look, this, there's another person that's biting Gabe Weiss. There it is. You know, and that just happens in art, you know, you kind of take, take an idea and maybe do your own thing with it. But what, what can you do? I mean, if you're, if you're the Gabe Weiss, then you're him and it's clear. Yeah. The, the Gabe I, think. I, I worried about it before. And I'm just like, I think I've hit the, I guess the point in my career where it's just like, I mean, someone might be able to sell one or two things, but no one is going to like kneecap me and like all of a sudden be the guy who does like timeless artifact cubism faces. Yeah. So when you're, when you're traveling and you're meeting people like, and, and I'm leading into this art show that you have a gallery show that's coming up. And so how did that come about? Like you, are you in LA? Are you in Miami? Who do you meet? Like, what's the story with this, um, with this gallery showing that you have coming up at the end of the month? So, I mean, it speaks to like one of the things I said early in clubhouse that kind of I think it was one of these lines that changed my life was I want to build with people that are in a room full of opportunities speak my name. So like this concept of just like, let, there's plenty to go around. Let's all help each other get there. So one of my good friends, this guy, Jonathan Foley um, is an NFT artist, quit his job. He's a teacher in New York. He's was moved down to LA. I just driven back from LA for a wedding, like got back Monday night and like at 10 PM at night, he calls me like, Hey, there's a show we're putting on last second. You got to be here. There's these people that own a gallery. It's an NFT gallery. I think they would show you like, think it's a giant opportunity for you. Mm. And so I booked a flight the next morning to LA <laughs> after just driving back like oh, oh yeah like i trust you dude and then i just through that i just met a ton of people who were um like oh they're part of a dao so decentralized autonomous organization but it's just like a collective that's been putting on nft shows down in venice beach at bright moments and like they're getting really good turnout and a lot of people that are into nfts it's kind of like turned into maybe the biggest hub for nfts in the u.s right now so they asked me to do a solo show and i was obviously thrilled to do it it's like the la is kind of the nft capital and then that place in particular is kind of turned into like the most iconic nft space so far to kind of develop in the country and that's where your gallery show is going to be in right. this space wow right 28th of 28th of august at night yeah pretty pretty excited 
I'm doing cool. something also where if anyone already owns one of my NFTs and they show up there, they're gonna I'm making an experience one where they actually get an NFT for just showing up. So the goal is to incentivize like my collectors to come hang out and meet me, but they get something hopefully that they get to sell someday for a lot of money. So they get a free NFT if they come. If they own one, if they already own one of my NFTs. Right. Wow. Genius. And and so how is it gonna work? So they're NFTs. So are there going to be enlighten me because is it is there going to be screens <clears throat> excuse me are there going to be screens that are mounted to the wall with right the digital artwork is that kind of what they yeah, look they like have some, they have like seven giant screens that like will show that and i'm going to bring down like six seven paintings and then made some whiskey with the nfts i'm going to bring down a couple whiskey bottles and auction those off um I don't know if you followed it, but right now in NFTs or something called Board Ape Yacht Club. And it's kind of like one of the bigger things in NFTs. Um, but they're I've seen the ape, like the ape avatars and stuff, right? Like you have yeah. one on your Twitter uh yeah. avatar. Yeah. So I what mean, is, yeah, what's that? People now they're like they're going for like forty, fifty thousand dollars up to like a million dollars for these board apes that just came out like three, four months ago at like couple hundred dollars just like the fastest growing thing that's ever happened in nfts essentially and it's an is it one artist that's drawing apes that look bored or is it like a collective it, it of was artists? a derivative project so it was like computer program so like they did an artist but like they just have different traits and different rarities and so certain apes like maybe have pizza in their mouth or rainbow teeth or have a different type of jacket or hat and like they just go by different prices kind of based on how rare the traits are for the ape that you have and like how good your ape looks. <laughs> wow, there's so many different avenues of things to think about when you're going into the NFTs. It's like, it's, it's so fun because it's what, what other kind of art medium really has that? Like, I guess maybe the closest thing would be collecting sports or non-sports cards and, and hoping to get like a, a special card in a pack maybe, right? right? I think that's sort of right. This is a lot more like I've seen it explained as like tokenized tribalism, but like, like with a board ape, you instantly relate to other people that have one and you have reason to like help them and you don't want them selling these things for cheap. You want them to like keep selling them at high prices. Mm. So I think we just haven't seen anything like that. Or same with my art, right? Like I have mm -hmm. some people who all they do is buy it and sell it, or they buy two and sell one and keep one. Like, but they're so much more invested as me as an artist than they ever were just through Instagram where they have maybe one piece. It's like a cottage industry of people who are just like on Twitter all day being like, Gabe Weiss. Well, I mean, like you're turning people into like hype men for you in a yeah. way that like no one ever, you never had before. And all it is, is like they bought your art and like, I'm happy to retweet them if they're trying to sell it. Cause like I get 10% royalties for one, but I also know that, I mean, right now I price everything at 50% of what it's worth essentially. Cause like my thing is, if people are able to make money on this, I'll always have demand. And if I always have demand, then I'm going to get to have a very long, fruitful, productive career. Like some of these artists price it like what it can get. Like, like I don't do auctions really. Cause like essentially you're, you're charging the maximum it can possibly get in an auction versus pricing it where I do at 50%. I'm like creating what I hope is an army of collectors who have all made a bunch of money on me and are mm. tweeting me out or on discord, Facebook, whatever it is, just being like, buy Gabe Weiss art. It makes you money. And the guy's <laughs> actually a cool, cool dude. Gabe Weiss army. I love it. Yeah. Gabe Weiss army. Cause it's tokenized, like going back to, it's like tokenized tribalism where like mm -hmm. you have a reason to stand for whatever the thing that you're a holder of just in a way that like maybe cards like Pokemon cards. I mean, like mm -hmm. I just don't know too many things that I I've ever seen that 
lead to that effect that nfts have yeah it's it's such an i mean it's it's cool to collect and and it's great that you're making money but it's an investment for anyone who buys your stuff like it's an actual investment that has a payoff so wow it's interesting um so how do people if they're not nft if they don't own one of your nfts can they still come to your show um on the 20th yeah yeah for sure 100 percent. and there's i got I got uh, some hats that you helped me make, which are the best, dopest hats I've ever seen, I will say. Yes, uh, yes. They, I'm wearing one of your hats now, not the one for me, but it has Weiss on it, and then it has one of my favorite drawings on it that, like, I... If, if people I'm guessing people know right that you make the best hats in the Bay Area and that you're coming becoming a hat icon it is happening I actually it didn't is. know that <laughs> really you don't yeah, know right. I'm joking I'm joking okay I'm like yeah. what yeah How shame on you possible? for saying that yeah don't I mean, say that really, in front of Gabe <laughs> I mean I stand for these hats a I always literally have one in my head like almost all the time but yeah. like it's definitely been my most complimented item when I walk around. Oh, yeah. And then it like, it's same thing where you talk about like tokenized tribalism. There's like hat tribalism. I'm like, sure. oh, you're, I'm like, oh, you're dope. You got a Castro Valley hat. Like I got that hat. Like, yeah. Those <laughs> Barbridge hats, man. They, they are. Thank you for saying that. Gabe. I appreciate yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. So what did the people get? How do the people get the hats if they come to your show? Is that uh, there's an it's going to be like, yeah, first come, first serve type of thing. Sweet. I, so I, the got, first I think I got. Yeah. Well, yeah. I gave one away. So and oh. I'm, I'm going to keep three away. So like maybe first 40 people is a fair assessment. Like I that's have fair. to some of these people I want to give it to, but and you, I and mean, you just turned 40. So that's a, it's a ah, right. number. Yeah. Right. One per year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. And so how did, okay, so it's in LA. How do people find out where it is? Do they have to sign up or they just show up? What, where, where do they it's, find the info? What's all the deal? So bright moment, 6 to 9 p.m., August 28th. It's Venice Beach. It's right by the beach. Um, it's, yeah, pretty easy to, pretty easy to find. There's a big bar, outdoor bar in the front. So it's not. I, I think it's going to be an NFT scene. Like if you're mm -hmm. remotely interested in NFTs, you should be there just because it's going to be kind of a scene like inside the gallery with COVID flaring up, like it's going to be relatively, you know, we'll keep it limited inside the gallery, but the outside is just tons of tables and cocktails and you'll be surrounded by lot of kind of big deals in the nft community oh man i wish i could be there uh and and, and people can find out more on uh on your website or or just yeah follow you you know? so on instagram gabe underscore weiss um twitter is gabriel j weiss um those i just launched a discord so if you go into my link tree on instagram um you can sign up to become a member of my new discord which is wild i don't know how much you follow this stuff but kind of the big nft artists now are all doing discords it's just another way to kind of connect with your with your collectors um better than mm -hmm. twitter mm -hmm. um so it'll be on all my socials okay all and the, the real, things the most important question is is paris hilton going to be there oh uh, <laughs> She's pregnant now. Um, oh. So I'm going to, I mean, I don't think it would be wise for her to show up to a rowdy NFT party. So yeah. that's why, oh. otherwise, otherwise probably for sure she'd be the oh. first in line if I had to go. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, now I'm not so sad that I'm not going <laughs> to um, Right on, Gabe. Well, um, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing all the knowledge on the NFTs and just talking about your path and art. And I know you also have a website, right? GabeWeiss.com. GabeWeiss.com. Yep. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just one S. W-E-I-S. 
Yes. A lot of people put two S's. Don't be one of those people. I did that once when I texted Mike about it. I was like, oh, I put two S's and he corrected me. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. He knows. He made the hats. He yeah. Right. Hats. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I, and, I, and I have made a few hats with <laughs> once we get them back from the manufacturer, there's a, there's a spelling error. So <laughs> it, it does happen. So um, mm-hmm. we didn't do that with Gabe's though. So thankfully. And, I, I, I um, appreciate it. Yeah. And um, I know one thing that you probably miss most about living in the Midwest is that we don't have uh, a Cracker Barrel and a Waffle House <laughs> out here in California, yeah. right? Like that's, I, that's, yeah. Do we have time for a quick Cracker Barrel story? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. That's how we'll end yeah. the show. <laughs> we'll, we'll end the show. So reason why I should be an NFT artist and not a Cracker Barrel waiter some some I was working the summer after my freshman year. I lived back in Illinois and was working as a waiter at Cracker Barrel. And wow. my one of my last shifts, someone gets a they come in, they get like the most expensive stuff they can. It's a table of nine or ten people. I hustle my butt off and they left me two dollar tip. And like in Illinois, you're making $2 an hour as a waiter, and like most of that's taken out, like even because of tips. So like you really are getting paid like zero to negative money to be a waiter. Yeah. You so have to like, give money to be a waiter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like, so I go out, like I follow the guy out and I'm like, Hey, we've been having trouble with people um, with bus boys stealing our tips. I'm just curious Whoa. how much you left me. And he's like, Oh, uh, $2. And I was like, Oh, well I get paid two bucks an hour. So that is a horrible, horrible tip. And I had a pen in my behind my ear. And I just chucked it into the parking lot, not at the guy. The guy <laughs> like runs into the place as I threw a pen at him. He gets a full refund and then like a two hundred dollar gift gift certificate to Cracker Barrel. What? And and then oh I just get God. and I get like my manager loved me. I I mean I was like the best waiter at the place. Like I was a really good waiter. And he's just yeah. like, Gabe, but it's like, I only had one more day left. He's like, dude, I gave, you'll get a great reference from me, but I have to fire you. If corporate finds out that we're letting waiters keep their job after they go and like a cost, a cost customers for being bad tippers, like I'm going to get fired. So I was like, that's, that's fair. But yeah, so <laughs> Waffle House, maybe, but Cracker Barrel is always now is like a dark, dark mark on my i'll never go there again no let's yeah <clears throat> boycott cracker what, if, <laughs> what, if, what, if, what if cracker barrel were to reach out to you and say hey we want you to do an nfc for us no i mean <laughs> I, I, I have a i have a selling out price for sure but it's like yeah. a, it's we like all a, do it's like a it's like a hundred million for cracker barrel. <laughs> like a other things I might sell out for 10 million for Waffle House, but uh, Cracker Barrel, I need a hundred mil from them. I think he's, I, I, I don't know, maybe I foresee a, an, like a dark Cracker Barrel NFT from you, like where you're, I don't know, secretly clowning them or something. Yeah. Yeah, maybe there's a pen involved, like a secret pen that you have to <laughs> Easter egg find in the corner. Yeah. And the only way you find out is if you listen to this podcast and know yeah. how I'm, uh, yeah, wow. I like it. I love it. it. I like we're it. doing it. Like it. Oh, we're yeah. making it. All right. Oh, awesome. Cool. Uh, Buy my Cracker it. Barrel NFT when it comes out someday. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you cracker ass cracker. <laughs> awesome, Gabe. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah, such a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. Had a lot of fun. Yeah, Stuck. and uh, everyone, check him out on Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Gabe, I'll see you soon. Good luck with your show, and. Um, I hope that everyone appreciates the hats with the secret pocket behind them, right? We can't right. forget to let them know. Everything. You don't Everything. need wallets. Just put your no. put your stuff in it. Barbridge hats. That's Part right. Part of the shit. Get it. Thank you. Yeah. Love it. All right, brother. We'll, uh, I love it. We'll talk to you again. All right. Peace. Take care, Gabe. All right, cheers.